Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, August 14th, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serrata, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And Slash Film Writer Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. So I'm back doing a news episode. I've been away in Vegas, as I mentioned, on the water cooler, and uh, Ben has been taking the reins. So I want to thank you, Ben, for uh, keeping the show on the road. No problem. Yeah. Um, okay, let's jump into it. we got a bunch of stuff to discuss today. I know everybody's been wondering, with Disney Plus launching and Kevin Feige taking control of the Marvel Studios uh, television series, if we're, if we're going to get any horrible uh, Marvel TV shows from Jeff Loeb, good news, we are. <laughs> ben, tell us about it. Yeah, so Marvel Studios is producing... Several Disney Plus TV shows like Hawkeye and WandaVision and The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, stuff that people are actually excited about. And Marvel Television, which is like a separate branch. The the guys uh, that brought us in Humans. Yes, and Daredevil and Iron Fist and Punisher and Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. uh, They are still sort of hanging around, and they're actually going to still be producing content for Disney Plus. So Jeff Loeb, in a recent interview uh, he basically said Marvel Television will be doing shows with Disney Plus. We just haven't announced what we're going to do there. And he didn't confirm anything, uh, but he he sort of teased that the realm of characters that they're looking at are still sort of those street level heroes, the people that he and I guess his team refers to as the Marvel Knights with the K. Uh, and he said, if the Marvel heroes are here to save the universe, the Marvel street level heroes, the Marvel Knights, often they're just there to save themselves, to save the neighborhood. So it's basically like the same concept that we saw with those Netflix uh, Marvel shows. Um, but do, and... do you think this means that like those Marvel Knights like are actually going to be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Or do you think it's going to be one of those things where Jeff Loeb just keeps on going around saying hashtag it's all connected and they yeah, don't interact? I... My guess is that it's going to be a whole separate thing still, because I I feel like Kevin Feige would, you know, if if it all really is going to be connected, that would fall under the Marvel Studios purview. But this sounds like Marvel TV is still off, you know, playing in its own corner of the playground. And 
he he's hinted that there are other characters that live in that same category which are still to come so uh, we don't know exactly what that means but uh i guess you can speculate away if you care about that little corner of the of the playground but that's the problem like i don't you know with with the marvel studios stuff being integrated into the disney plus stream i just don't know if there's a place for marvel tv shows anymore yeah yeah. Uh, okay. Let's let's move on to Star Wars. Let's talk about Star Wars Resistance. They Lucasfilm dropped the trailer for this for season two of the show uh, this morning. Also, like hidden in this trailer was the announcement that this is going to be the final season, uh, which is kind of funny and sad because there's a Star Wars TV show that's on on the air that number one I don't care about. <laughs> I'm Mister Number One Star Wars fan. Number two, his been canceled and was like canceled you know there wasn't even this big news item that it was canceled like it was just like you know in the press release of this trailer release and uh it, they did so you can see this trailer online i'll, I'll link it uh ht did a, the write-up of this and it it does bring kylo ren into the mix it does it is set during the last jedi so you do get that uh last season from what I understand, uh, last season ended where The Force Awakens began. So uh, this this is, uh, I don't know, it's interesting that they're bailing so quickly into this. Uh, Chris, what do you make of this? Like, Disney just know that this was a failure? Like, I feel like so many people have been ragging on the animation style of the show. Uh, no one seems to be interested in this. I mean, I forgot it even existed, so I would not be surprised if... It, no one really cares. It just doesn't, you know, it never really looked that great. And I never really saw much excitement for it. So you're a big uh, fan of the last Jedi and this takes place yeah. during the last Jedi. Will that get you to watch? Absolutely not. I will never watch this. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I think all three of us are on board of not watching this. Is that correct, Ben? Yeah, that is yeah. correct. <laughs> okay. Let's uh, move on to Paddington two. Uh, Hugh Grant claims that this might be his best movie. Not just claims, he he flat out says it is. So Hugh Grant is, gave this interview with Vanity Fair talking about his career. And he was talking about how when he was first in Paddington 2, cast in Paddington 2, before it came out, he saw people on Twitter sort of like ragging on him, being like, oh, Hugh Grant is all washed up. He has to appear in a you know children's movie sequel but of course first of all as we all know paddington 2 is an absolute delight uh but second of all according to hugh grant he, he thinks that really is just the best movie he's ever done and i'm not going to argue with him i think hugh grant is right sorry to all those nine months fans out there but paddington 2 is better ben is paddington 2 his best movie uh, I am furiously IMDBing Hugh Grant's filmography right now <laughs> to see what I think about this. Uh, it's certainly a hell of a lot better than Love Actually. Uh, the thing is, uh, Paddington 2 is actually like a tremendously great movie. So it's not really that controversial for him to say this, I think. Um, I have not seen a lot of Hugh Grant's early work, but of the major, you know, sort of rom-com stuff that he's known for, I mean, yes, personally, I prefer Paddington 2 to all of that. You know, Cloud Atlas is one that I I really love. Um, 
and it's such a different type of movie than Paddington 2. Um, so what are some uh, what are some Hugh Grant movies like Nodding Hill, Four Weddings yep. and a Funeral? Yep, exactly. Uh, Bridget Jones's Diary, About a Boy, uh, Two Weeks Notice. Um, and <laughs> let's see what else. Oh, the, he was in The Man from Uncle, which I know a lot of people really love the Guy Ritchie movie from 2015. Um, but yeah, for me, I think it would probably come down to wait, Pat wait, wait. Movie. Our own Christy Vangelista loved The Man from Uncle. Is that correct? No, I'm one of the weirdos oh. who doesn't like that movie. Oh, for, for some, some reason, reason, I thought you were on that bandwagon. Maybe it was because you were on the uh, Prometheus 2 bandwagon. Maybe. I, I like plenty of movies people hate, but that's not one of them. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think there is a movie in this list that's better than Paddington 2. I mean, I do have some love for Cloud Atlas, but um, yeah. No, I, I, I think this is not a controversial opinion. But uh, yeah, okay. Uh, speaking of sequels, there was a sequel announced today that... Uh, surprised us all. This is a sequel to an indie film that uh, we were all very behind when it when it debuted at Sundance. I know uh, Ben saw it at Sundance and was a big champion of this film. Ben, tell us about the sequel. Yeah, so Searching last year uh, starred John Cho as a father who desperately is trying to find his missing daughter. And anybody who's listening to this podcast and has been listening for a while probably heard me talk about it a lot last year. Um, It's one of my favorite thrillers of this decade and certainly I thought one of last year's best movies overall. And now a sequel is in the works. And I guess maybe a sequel is not the the best way to put it uh deadline says that it's a second installment of searching um and director anish chaganti actually just tweeted out while we were recording this um yeah he actually retweeted our story and said this yeah he added a couple extra details here he says uh note the story will not follow the same characters or plot line as the first most importantly we see this as an opportunity to tell another original tech driven thriller and if we can do that and help bring new faces slash voices to the industry bonus points so we know that uh chaganti who uh, co-wrote and directed the first film and co-writer uh, and producer sev ohanian and producer natalie kasabian are all back on board uh, in sort of in some sort of capacity for this sequel but it's not going to fo- uh, follow John Cho's character and, and his family. So, um, yeah, the interesting thing about this is, you know, Searching was a movie that that took place ac- entirely across screens, you know, FaceTime conversations and Skype sessions and browser searches and all sorts of stuff. So it's going to have that same sort of uh, technological vibe to it, but it's a whole new story. And interestingly, the there's this really fun subplot in the first searching movie that you really had to look closely to see but if you paid attention to a lot of the news broadcasts and stuff like that in the background there was a whole subplot about a alien invasion that was happening in the background of the main story so i'm wondering if this sequel or or second installment is going to sort of pick up the baton because that um extraterrestrial invasion <laughs> thing was never actually resolved at the, because it all sort of came to a head at the very end of the first searching movie. So we never really found out what happened with it. I think within that world, the president was about to make an announcement about, you know, the extraterrestrial life and stuff like that. But that we never actually saw that announcement happen. Um, and by so the way, I'm, you you saying this to people who have not seen this movie makes this seem like a much bigger <laughs> movie than it was. What you were speaking of is like little text scrolls on the bottom of the screen during like the news programs and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. Yeah, you have to really like, yeah, it's in like the Facebook news uh, part 
starts when he's like looking through his daughter's uh, Facebook account, trying to find, you know, f- figure out the mystery of where she is in the first movie. So this is all like very, very deep level Easter egg stuff. But I'm wondering if they are going to uh, sort of pick up that baton and, and continue that story, maybe in a in like a full way, like address that head on. Um, cause that would be sort of interesting to see a full, you know, sci-fi type of movie with that technology instead of just trying to recapture the, you know, sort of mystery aspect of the first film. See, I'm betting this is going to be another small, like mystery film, but I, I would like to see that story continued in like, you know, the margins of this, this new story. Uh, he, I do think it's interesting that he's saying like, you know, they're using this opportunity to tell an- another original story and this is Mm -hmm. a sequel (laughs) Um, well yeah i mean i think that's what he's talking about though it's like it's not like the same characters or the same plot so it's it's technically going to be like a whole new original thing um but uh but i don't know my speculation about the easter egg the alien stuff was just like i guess you could theoretically call that an original story even though the these tiny clues were sort of planted in the deep background of the first movie right yeah has another film franchise done this? I, I know Chris might know the answer to this. Like, has someone taken like the concept? Like, I know Paranormal Activity has kind of done that in a way, but like, just taking the concept of how the movie's being presented and it's not the characters are the same; it's just the conceit of the thing. I mean, you know, there's like Cloverfield movies, but even that doesn't take the same uh, style. Um, yeah, it's not even found Rex? footage. Like yeah, wreck movies, uh, record like. Uh, but even that is has changed over time. Like the first two are like found footage, and then I think the third one is is just a straight up regular narrative. So yeah, I can't really think of. I'm sure they exist. I just not off the top of my head, I can't think of anything that like uses that same format. I feel like they should have done that with like the Blair Witch movies. <laughs> they sort of did, where they. Yeah. They did Book of Shadows, which rules, by the way. And then they came back with the one that's just called Blair Witch, which went back to being found footage, but was bad. So I I, I don't know. I know we live in a time of sequels and remakes and reboots. And I, I would be all for them, like, this being a new thing where there's, like, these franchises that just allow for original stories being told in a similar way. Do you know I mean like that? That? Was, that was like the idea that John Carpenter had with Halloween, where originally, where after Halloween two, they made Halloween three: Season of the Witch, which was a completely different story. And the idea was to basically turn that into like an anthology series, where every year there'd be a new Halloween movie that you know wasn't about Michael Myers. But then everyone hated Halloween three, and they gave that idea up. Well, anthology series have been very big on TV. Like it could work in the cinema, couldn't it? I think so. I definitely think there is. I'm so. I'm actually surprised that someone hasn't tapped into this yet. Where they use, they even like bring back the same cast. The only example I can think of this is uh, there's a film called A Fish Called Wanda, and then a few years later they made a movie called Fierce Creatures, where it had the entire oh, yeah. the same cast: John Cleese and Kevin Kline and Jamie Lee Curtis, but they were all playing different characters. And I thought that was a really neat idea. I wish other filmmakers would give that a try i have never heard of fierce creatures before i've seen a fish called wanda but that's fascinating i didn't didn't even know that movie existed yeah it's not it's not nearly as good but it's an interesting experiment that like it's everyone back again i I remember when it was coming out it was a little bit confusing on if it was related or not related but it was like a spiritual sequel of some kind 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, speaking of sequels, spinoffs, reboots, remakes, uh, Paramount is working on a GI Joe spinoff movie for Snake Eyes, and casting ha- casting has begun. Chris, what do we know? Uh, yes, uh, Henry Golding, who is in uh, Crazy Rich Asians, and he's also in A Simple Favor, and he's also in a, an upcoming movie called Last Christmas, which debuted its trailer today. Has uh, he, It's not official yet, but he's in talks to play Snake Eyes in the G.I. Joe spinoff movie about Snake Eyes. And um, uh, obviously this this signals a few things. For one thing, in you know, in... Uh, in the mythology of G.I. Joe, I guess you want to call it snake eyes. He never takes off his mask and he never talks, but Henry Golding is this, you know, this actor whose, whose star is increasingly on the rise. So I sincerely doubt he'd take a role where he has to wear a mask and never talk. So that means this snake eyes is going to do those two things that he doesn't traditionally do, which I'm sure will infuriate someone somewhere. They'll (laughs) launch a petition. I don't know. But this is the world we live in now. I don't know. If I was Henry Golding, I'd be like, oh, you want to sign me up for a movie where I wear a mask and half the, you know, the scenes are stuntmen pretending to be me and I just got to show yeah. up every once in a while? I don't even have to memorize lines? Sure. I mean, yeah, that isn't – I would gladly do that. Listen, Paramount, <laughs> if Henry Golding doesn't want to do this, I will do it for like half his salary, <laughs> which I'm sure would still be a lot of money. So please, hit me up. Snake Eyes starring Chris Evangelist. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, I'm sure you do it <laughs> – I'm sure you do it for a tenth of his salary. <laughs> I, yeah, I, honestly, I'll I'll just do it for a, yeah a fraction. Just give me some money, I'll do it. Okay, uh, so there's that is from Paramount. Paramount's owned by Viacom. Viacom and CBS are merging, and uh, I don't know what, what is going on here, Ben. What, explain the whole situation to us. Uh, I will try my best. So years ago, CBS and Viacom were actually already merged. And then in 2005, 2006, they split off into two separate companies. And now they are rejoining again in this age of, you know, corporate uh, conglomerations and, and um, you know, uh, what is that called? Uh, not, not synergy, but, uh, you know, how like Disney just, you know, ate up. 20th Century Fox uh, consolidation. That's the word. Monopoly. I was for. A monopoly is the word you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's the Disney side of things. Yeah, the but, word you're uh, looking in, for is Disney. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, in an effort to sort of compete with places like Netflix and all these streaming services that are going to be launching in the days to come, uh, CBS and Viacom have remerged, I guess would be the term, into a new company called Viacom CBS. Real creative there, guys. Uh, it's just one word now. And they are going to be able to offer a library of more than 140,000 TV episodes and more than 3,600 movies, including stuff like the Transformers franchise, uh, Star Trek, Mission Impossible, um, a lot of the Paramount movies, because now brands like Paramount, CBS, Showtime, MTV, Nickelodeon, Comedy Central, all of these are now operating under the same corporate roof. So that is the that that's the basic gist of what's going on here. So it's basically they see a war coming. They see Disney and Netflix running at them and they're like uh, Hobbs and Shaw. And they're like, we, oh, we got to work together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. They're trying to punch Disney and Netflix in the face at the same time in slow motion in the rain. That's what's happening here. How's it going to work out? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's a really good question because, you know, CBS is like 
uh, it's a network that um, commands 22% of the TV viewership share, which is larger than Disney and Fox and Comcast and Warner Brothers. But, by the way, um, how, how is that possible? Like, CBS produces such crap, but I guess it's such mindless crap that, like, people just eat it up. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, shows like The Big Bang Theory aired on CBS, and they were, you know, somehow like some of television's most highly rated shows. And the same thing goes for a lot of the procedural stuff that they produce. It's just, you know, a generation or two above us who just, you know, still subscribes to or still watches TV in like a traditional way, um, you know, always has CBS on, basically. And, and that's how they're able to sort of command such a huge percentage of the viewership. So that's what's interesting to me about them sort of, I guess, pivoting to the streaming era. Like, are those older audiences who make CBS such a successful TV network going to be able to or be interested in following the company's <laughs> direction to sort of pivot to streaming, I guess. And and I, it's, it's curious. It's an interesting situa- situation to see what's going to happen there. And I don't know if we're going to actually know the answers to those questions for like years. But um, like, like I like to imagine that like CBS is just playing 24 hours a day in like old folks homes and like, you know, right. your grandma and grandpa's house and stuff like that. But do grandma and grandpa know how to stream TV? Yeah, that's that's my question. That's the heart of it right there. And I obviously CBS is not going to go away anytime soon, um, you know, in its traditional form. But like as people continue to transition more into the streaming world that we're living in now, it's going to be really fascinating to see how long they're going to be able to sort of hang on and, and thrive in this industry. And, and maybe uh, maybe they'll lose start to lose some of that you know, market share that they've been able to capitalize on. But um, yeah, that's all. It all remains to be seen. So what is this going to mean for Star Trek, Mission Impossible, all these movies and stuff that are at Paramount? Yeah. So those two brands are interesting because uh, Star Trek, now that these companies are together again, um, I guess before all of the Star Trek TV stuff was off with CBS and CBS uh, All Access, the streaming service that they launched not too long ago, and all the movie stuff was under Paramount. So those two things were very separated. And in fact, in 2017, a report came out saying that characters like Kirk and Spock and Uhura could not be used on the TV shows because the J.J. Abrams movies were still sort of running. And now that the the status of the Star Trek Abrams film franchise seems to be on hold, at least, uh, those characters are starting to eke their way over onto the TV side of things. Like Mr. Spock was introduced on Star Trek Discovery earlier this year. So my guess is that more of those familiar characters are going to be able to pop up and, and sort of cross-pollinate between films and, and TV shows, especially now that they're under the same corporate roof. You don't have to draw that line in the sand anymore. And Mission Impossible is really interesting because that obviously is a, is a property that began as a TV show back in the late 60s, but has become known as this mega blockbuster Tom Cruise franchise. And now there's potentially the chance that Mission Impossible becomes a TV show because the <laughs> Bob Backish, the uh, the head of Viacom CBS, said that they uh, that franchise has the potential to leverage across all the company's platforms. So the translation there is that we could be getting a new Mission Impossible TV show for the first time since 1990, which is when like a resurrected version of the original show aired on ABC. So um, I don't know. What do you guys think about the possibility of a Mission Impossible TV show? Well, do you think they would have like a small screen version of Ethan Hunt or do you think like maybe they could introduce a character in one of these movies like a 
what's her name? Rebecca. Rebecca Ferguson. Ferguson, yeah. And, like, maybe have her as the star of the TV show. I, I, I think she's above doing a TV show, so I'm not saying her specifically. Or do you think this is just going to be its own thing? Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. I, I sort of speculated in this article because I saw somebody on Twitter suggest that, like, Paula Patton and Maggie Q, who were spy characters who have appeared in one movie in this franchise each and then were just sort of thrown to the wayside, maybe they could get, uh, like, a spin-off Mission Impossible show. And I would totally watch that because I loved both of them in these movies. And I think the women in this franchise are, are particularly underserved or have been uh, occasionally. They, yeah. they were treated a little bit better in Mission Impossible Fallout. But um, but I, I think that would be kind of a cool idea. And maybe it'll be, you know, we we're talking about Disney and, and Marvel and Disney Plus and stuff earlier. Maybe they'll sort of take that uh, uh, framework and try to apply it to the Mission Impossible franchise where you have you know, side stories that operate in the same continuity as the movies. And maybe you can, you know, have some crossovers here and there too. Um, but uh, I don't know, Chris, what do you think? Like, I know you're a big fan of Mission Impossible Fallout. Would you be down for watching a, a new Mission Impossible TV show? Ah, uh, man, it really depends on like who's making it and it's being directed involved. by Mick G. <laughs> well then <laughs> sign me up. Um, yeah, I, I, Cause like those movies are so, for lack of a better word, cinematic now. And I just picture like a TV show looking like suits or something like that. And I just be like, oh, this sucks. I don't want to watch this. Yeah. Well, I think this new story tells us one thing. We're one step closer to a Star Trek Mission Impossible uh, crossover film, right? <laughs> yeah. Ethan Hunt hanging off the side of the USS Enterprise. And then the sequel has them uh, encountering the uh, Decepticons. Oh God! It's all right, Peter. That's that's one step too far. Star Mission Impossible, uh, Dark of the Fallen. Cold oh no, Snake Eyes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Our final story today is there is a new champion as the highest rated video game movie ever on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Chris, tell us about it. Yes. Um, as we all know, video game movies don't go over so well. Uh, no one has cracked the code yet. Uh, every now and then you'll get something that is somewhat well-received, like Detective Pikachu came out earlier this year, and that ended up at like 68% on Rotten Tomatoes, which isn't great. Uh, but now there's a new champ in town, and it is the Angry Birds movie 2, which is currently at 71%, which isn't that great, uh, you know, all things considered. Like, if you took a test in high school and you got back a 71%, you'd be like, all right, I passed, but... This isn't that great. And that's what Angry Birds 2 is sitting at. And that shows the sorry state of video game movies at this time where they just don't go over well, where they go over so poorly that the best we can get is one at 71% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, but so I feel like this it. is really shocking because I, I remember the first Angry Birds people didn't like. It was really badly received. Am I correct in that or am I? Yes, I'm pretty sure no one liked it. And I have a feeling I, I'm having a hard time believing anyone likes this one. But who knows? <laughs> Maybe are... it's just the bar was set so low. And, <laughs> and, you know, it's a pleasant surprise or something. Chris, now you need to see this movie. Do I, though? I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> do, do it for the podcast, Chris. Okay. Maybe someday. 
Okay. Uh, that brings us to the end of today's Slash Film Daily. Uh, you can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast published every weekday on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. And please rate and read this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you tomorrow.